Good morning, church. It's good to be here with you this morning, um, even if it is a white Christmas outside. I've had some incredible opportunities to be a stranger. I've had some uh, wonderful encounters uh, with people when I was the foreigner. Uh, lots of years ago now, I was, a, I, I believe, a freshman in high school, and, and I got to go on my first mission trip. It was a mission trip to Mexico. We, we got in our vans. We drove from Colorado to Mexico, way down on the very edge of the Baja Peninsula. Uh, we had gone down there to help some missionaries that we knew, and um, there was a whole group of us, I don't know, maybe a dozen, uh, maybe 20. Uh, I can't quite remember just exactly how large our group was, but we had gone down to help uh, do some building projects for uh, a medical mission down there. They had a, a little dental clinic and a, a medical clinic. Uh, they were trying to get a church on this kind of compound area. And we got to go down there for an entire week just to, to help out, to serve. And I remember one night after all of the work had been completed, uh, uh, we got to go out, maybe a smaller group of us, maybe there was 10, maybe there was 12 of us, and we decided that uh, we would go uh, to a local Spanish-speaking service. We were definitely the foreigners. Uh, none of the service was any, anything in English. We didn't understand a thing that was being said, but, uh, but we understood that there were a lot of people there uh, worshiping and praising and speaking of God and opening up the Word together. And, and the craziest thing uh, of that particular time that, that we were there is that if you ever have an opportunity to go into another country as a foreigner and go to... a, a a service where they're not speaking your language, oftentimes it's not exactly like coming to church here. There were wooden pews, but no backs. They were just kind of wooden benches sitting there, and it didn't go for an hour and ten minutes. It went more like two hours and maybe more. By the time the service got over, it was probably 9 o'clock at night. Everybody's absolutely exhausted. We're, we're just thinking, man, can we, can we go back and go to bed? Everyone had cleared out of this kind of makeshift worship space. And the pastor of the church came over to our group and said, hey, would you come over to my home? Well, we didn't have the chance to say, no, I'm sorry, we're a little tired, it's 9.30 now, and we just want to go back to bed. Yes, absolutely. And we got to go back to the home of the pastor. Now, I need to describe for you the home. Most of us would call this a shed, it was corrugated steel in Mexico, mind you, where it's hot. 
It was basically looked like a, a pole barn where you had a, a, a rough structure with corrugated steel kind of uh, stapled onto it. And we walked in. It was, it was something of a, a glorified garage. It had a dirt floor, a clean dirt floor that had been swept clean many, many times. And, and during the height of the tomato season, which this area was lots of tomato fields... During the height of that season, there would be up to three families in an area that you and I might call a garage. And that night, with 10 or 12 of our friends, they sat us down in this picnic-style sort of table. And at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, after the worship service was already over, they said, we want to give you a meal. Now, we didn't need a meal, but they wanted to give us one. Here we were having all the, uh, the amenities available to us, and there they were with almost no amenities, and they said, we want you, the foreigner, we want you, the stranger, we want you, the guest, to feel welcome here. So over the next hour, we sat there and we ate chicken and beans that they served for all of us. It might be one of the greatest displays of hospitality I've ever had the opportunity to encounter. Here we were in a foreign country, and we were here to serve them, and they showed us what real hospitality looks like. If you haven't guessed it already, this morning we're going to talk about hospitality. Uh, we're going to talk about what this looks like uh, when... When you and I, as people who, who have decided that we want to follow Jesus, uh, we're going to uh, discover what this looks like when you and I decide that we are going to embrace and welcome the guest. When we're going to see the stranger and notice them. When we're not just going to be nice, we're going to be hospitable. We're not just going to be friendly, uh, we're going to open up and welcome. This morning, you need to know that when you and I have decided to help people find and follow Jesus, when we practice hospitality, then we love where we live. I love this series that we're in. I, I love the opportunity that we have to get into it. Love where you live. And as we dig into this loving where we live, uh, you and I are going to recognize that if we're going to do that and do it well, uh, then we have to be willing to open up our hearts, maybe open up our homes and our tables and be welcoming, be hospitable. So this morning, I'm going to tell you what hospitality is. I'm going to define it for you. I'm going to walk through uh, the ins and outs of, of this thing that we call hospitality. Then I'm going to walk you through um, a whole bunch of passages of Scripture uh, that just kind of uh, begin to summarize uh, as, a, as, a, as a survey through Scripture uh, of the kinds of things that hospitable people will do. 
And then I'm going to look at you and I'm going to ask the question of you. How will you be hospitable? When it comes to your attitude towards strangers or guests or people that are uh, not normal for you, uh, how will you go about being hospitable? What does that look like for Whiting Christian Church? What does it look like for you tomorrow morning and next week and next month and next year? First of all, Hospitality is this opportunity that you and I have to embrace the stranger. Uh, that's really what it means to be hospitable. As I worked my way all the way through Scripture, as I looked up all the things that I possibly could on hospitality, it really is the ability to say, I'm going to be welcoming. Uh, so welcoming, in fact, that, that I will... I will even protect and nourish the stranger that comes into my house, into my life. You see, there's a difference between being hospitable and being friendly. I've had lots of pastors say, you know what, uh, I've gone to churches before that are friendly, but they're not hospitable. And what he's talking about is they're friendly with one another. They love to greet each other, they're friends with each other, they'll embrace each other, uh, but the moment that someone outside comes inside, uh, they kind of look strangely at them. They wonder why that person is sitting in their seat. And so there is a difference, isn't there, between embracing the stranger, being welcoming, and being friendly. This last week, I uh, had the opportunity to have a friend of mine who uh, is not normally with us. And so we tried to roll out the red carpet for him. We tried to treat him like he was the VIP, the NVP, the CEO, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. He came into our home and we said, Simon, you don't get to your room this week. You're out. Now, it was inconvenient for me because I had to remind myself that as I tried to go into our bathroom just off the bedroom that my son was now on the floor. I didn't want to step on him. But it did mean that the friend who's not normally with us, who's a stranger in our home, got a nice bed, a warm place to stay, a space of his own. You see, to be hospitable means that you are going to roll out that red carpet and treat others with such great honor uh, that you honor God and, in the process, you love where you live. That's what it means to be hospitable. My good friend that stayed with us, he loves ice cream and brownies. Is anybody else in that boat? Now, let me tell you that normally we don't have ice cream and brownies in our house. Uh, we, every now and again, on a special occasion, might put a pan of brownies in the oven and, and have some ice cream. But my friend who was coming specifically mentioned, uh, he said, hey, will you have ice cream and brownies? 
And not just any kind of ice cream, not the cheapest kind in the aisle, but will you have Kemp's vanilla ice cream? We made two pans of brownies this week. Both of them are gone now. And we bought a great big can of Kemp's ice cream. Hospitality. Embracing the stranger, embracing the one who is a guest to you, embrace the foreigner, uh, the person that, uh, that is not normally a part of your life. And the Bible has all sorts of people and all sorts of situations in which hospitality is talked about. I want you to join me, if you will, in Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Page number 11, if you're looking in those pew Bibles in front of you. God has made His covenant with Abraham. He has made this agreement with Abraham that He will be a great nation. Uh, The problem is He hasn't had any kids yet. And He's getting older. And He's beginning to wonder. Uh, Now, uh, this particular scene seems to play out that it's a hot day. Abraham's probably done all of his chores by now. He's got everything done. He's maybe enjoying a little siesta. And it seems like there's three people that come upon him uh, that are a surprise to him. We find out later that these are not everyday ordinary people, but they're messengers from God to give, give Abraham the message that he is going to be a great nation. And by this time next year, his bride is going to be pregnant with their child. So read with me, would you? Genesis 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Memre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to see your servant. Very well, they said, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried off to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. You see, Abraham at this point doesn't know exactly yet who these people are. It seems later on that we find that Abraham maybe has encountered the Lord himself who has come to give this message to Abraham. But I want you to see that before Abraham knows who these people are, he bows before them and wants to embrace these strangers who have come across his path. I mean, look at it. He says, hey, now why don't I take you down to Culver's? Did you see that? 
Culver's, anybody? I saw it, the curds and milk. Curds and milk? Those cheese curds, anybody? He says, I am going to roll out the red carpet. I'm going to make sure that you understand that you are my guest. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to take care of you. I know that I'm going to get you to stay because I, I, want, you, I, I want you to stay. I'm going to tell you that there's some water coming, but then I'm really going to let you have it. I'm not only going to give you some water, I'm going to make my wife go in, get the finest flour, and there is going to be a table before you. I want your feet under my table. I want you to know that you are valued here. And it's after that that Abraham gets this wonderful message from the Lord that he's going to have an heir. Hospitality. And it's not just in Genesis. If you flip over just a few pages, go to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and go to chapter 19. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and go to chapter 19. God is in the process here of trying to help His people understand what's required of them as they try and be the people of God. Now, we're going to spend some more time in Leviticus 19 next, next week, but I want you to see just a small little portion of what it meant to be God's people. In verse 33 and verse 34, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt, and I and the Lord your God. He's saying, hey, look, there's all kinds of people that you don't know. There's all kinds of strangers and guests. And when you encounter them, when they're living among you, when you're there, they are your neighbors, when they're the person that you work with or the person across from you, embrace them. Don't mistreat them. Don't look at people oddly because they're different than you. Embrace them. It's a practice of hospitality. Uh, turn over, if you would, again into the Old Testament, uh, into Deuteronomy chapter 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy chapter 10. God's people are getting a second reading of the law. They're about to go into conquest. They're about to embrace the promise that God has given to them. And he says in verse 17, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow he, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you're to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. He's going to go on and say, hey, about those foreigners, about those strangers, not only do you need to know that I love them, I want you to love them, and I want you to invite them to your worship. Maybe there's people in your life who are strangers, they're guests, they're kind of, they're weird to you. 
But there's this practice of hospitality. If we're going to love where we live, if we're going to love Whiting, Iowa, if we're going to love Onawa and Castana and Turin and Sioux City and Sergeant Bluff, uh, then what we need to do is look at the people who are around us and we need to engage the foreigner in a display of hospitality. God loves them. And so should you. Now, there's a lot to be said. We could go page after page of the Old Testament, but let's look at what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus had something to say about hospitality as well. On one occasion, Jesus was uh, in a Pharisee's house. It was a prominent guy. And it seems like uh, they want Jesus to come in because they really want to keep their eye on Jesus. They want to keep their thumb on Jesus. Uh, maybe they even want to test Jesus. And as he comes in, he teaches them about hospitality. You see, in the first century world, this often was how hospitality would work. If I came into your house as a guest, guest you would give me a gift. I like that. If anybody wants to give me a gift, I would gladly accept it. So you would give me a gift that could be readily recognizable. It was something of value to you. And I would have it. Now, it wouldn't just belong to me. It would belong to my family as well. So if I was gone, they would have it. Now, here's the catch. In that sort of system, what would happen is, is uh, if you gave me a gift, that means that you have endured yourself to me and you can come visit me anytime. And even if I'm not around, I still have the gift in my home, so you get to come and visit me. It's kind of one of those, like, I'll give you if you give to me. And Jesus kind of turns that entire system on its head. Would you look with me in Luke chapter 14? Luke chapter 14, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the New Testament. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host... When you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Do you hear it? It's the hospitality. Uh, take the person who's the stranger to you and you invite them in. You welcome them. You make them a part of who you are. You roll out the red carpet. You make sure that when they leave, they say, I got VIP passes. And that's not the only time. In Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus is sending out his disciples in twos, he gives them the message of the kingdom of God. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to preach this. I'm going to give you the power to heal. And so they go out preaching and teaching and healing. Uh, but the interesting thing 
about this journey that they're going to go on is there's an assumption uh, that they will be welcomed, that they'll have people who are hospitable. He says, hey, when they invite you in, bless that home. If they don't, wipe your feet of them and walk out. It's a message of hospitality. In Luke chapter 15, just one chapter over, uh, it says at the very first verse in chapter 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, it seems like Jesus is hospitable to even the weirdest kind of people. Even the down and out, even the marginalized, even the people that nobody else wants to hang out with, Jesus is okay with embracing them as the stranger. He invites them. When he is invited to their place, he enjoys the hospitality that he is given. Do you hear it all the way throughout Scripture? If we are going to help people find and follow Jesus as a church... If we're going to be a community of people uh, that wants to create Christ-like community one neighbor at a time, if we're going to love where we live, uh, then we have to be hospitable. We have to look and see the people that are different than us, that are strangers in our land, uh, and we need to embrace them. Do Do you hear that? It's the example of Scripture that says, I'm going to love the foreigner because God loved me when I was the foreigner. I recognize it and I'm going to love where I live. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, well, if you're really gifted at hospitality... It doesn't say uh, practice hospitality only if you're an extrovert. How many of you this morning were like, I'm not an extrovert. I don't have to talk to people. It doesn't say if you like people. It doesn't say if you have a big home to invite people into. It doesn't say if you're a gourmet chef so that people can enjoy food in your home. It doesn't say that if you have lots of stuff to share with lots of other people, uh, then practice hospitality. No, it just simply says, be hospitable. That's what Paul's going to say when the Roman people uh, who are, are trying to figure out how to get along with one another, and he's trying to get them to practice their faith, he's going to say, hey, don't forget about hospitality. In Romans chapter 12, Acts and then Romans in chapter 12. In verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The Hebrew writer, whoever that happens to be, in chapter 13 and verse 2 is going to say the same thing. Hey, would you practice hospitality? When we love where we live, we practice hospitality. So how do we do that? What does that look like? 
Some of you are just absolutely petrified because you can't possibly imagine inviting someone over for a meal. Well, that's just one way of practicing hospitality. Some of you love having people in your home, and that's great. Do that. There are lots of ways of practicing hospitality. In our world today, it seems like some of us are, are scared of people who are older than us. Some of us get scared of walking into a nursing home, for example. We think, oh, that's kind of weird. But maybe they're the guest. Maybe they're the stranger. Maybe they're the foreigner. And maybe what you can do, uh, maybe you walk in and say, hey, I, I just want to love on people who are in the nursing home. Would you give me the numbers of people who I can call every week and and would you let me encourage their life this week and every other week after this? I'll call five people every week. And I will love the foreigner. I will love where I live because those people, uh, they're in my community. I know that there's opportunities in many, many school districts for, for tutors to, to come in. And some of you think, oh, there's nothing more terrifying than a junior hire. If you think that, you'd be right. But it's okay. They're strange. And they're strangers to you. They're guests. They're foreigners. And maybe the two of you, when you get together, not only will you teach them something, they'll teach you something. And you have an opportunity to be hospitable. We have a a lot of good friends. One of the friends that I'm thinking of, uh, many years ago, she became aware of a mom who uh, had become pregnant out of wedlock. She'd kind of been shunned by her family and uh, didn't have a great place to go. She needed some place to live, but she didn't have the financial means to go anywhere. They happened to have an extra bedroom in their home, and she said, you know what, until you get back on your feet, you're welcome here. You can have that place in the basement. We'll have food on the table about this time every night, and you can live down there until you get back up on your feet. And that's exactly what she did. She recognized that there's a stranger, there's a guest, there's a foreigner, and she needed and so she put her under their own roof and tried to take care of her until she could do something. Several weeks ago, uh, Joe Lynn and I, we were actually heading down to the Dairy Queen. We were pulling off uh, on the highway there, and there was a couple uh, there asking for a ride or food. And uh, we kind of had a little bit of a conversation in our car uh, before we got to the Dairy Queen. Hey, we should, we should probably buy something for them. Why don't we buy them an extra value meal? I don't know what they call it at, at Dairy Queen, but it was, you know, uh, number one or two or whatever it was. We bought them some hamburger. Now, unfortunately for us, when we went back, they were gone. But we didn't give up. We thought, what are we going to do with all this food? So we got back on the highway, and if you, walk, if you go south on I-29, the very next exit, I believe, is, is the, the rest area. Some of you have been there. If you have my son in your car, you're definitely going to visit there. 
you're going to exit. And, and we thought, hey, there's got to be somebody here that needs a meal. So we got out and we started asking people. Uh, JoLynn distributed the ice cream rather quickly. Uh, then there was a couple over, uh, not too far over. They're on their phone. I walk over to them and I say, hey, do you need a meal? We got this. I explained the story. They said, you know what? We don't need a meal, but do you have a welder? No. Now, I, I didn't have a welder, but I do have friends who know welders, so I started calling some of you. And before the day was done, there was this total stranger from Arkansas that had been out in, uh, in Wyoming. They were camping. There was something broken on their fifth wheel. They needed it welded back together again. And before the day was over, we took them out so that they could have a welder. I don't say that to say, look at me. I say, look, there's opportunities right beside you to embrace people who are guests, who are strangers, who are foreigners to you because sometimes they need a meal and sometimes they need a welder. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says this extraordinary thing. It's really why we want to practice hospitality. In chapter 5, verse 6, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I suggest that when we were sinners, we were also strangers to God? That when we were sinners, we were foreigners to who God was. And He embraced us anyway. If we're going to love where we live, we need to be people who are hospitable. Because God loved us when we were foreigners. So church... As you leave, as you go, uh, would you have in your mind and in your heart the people in your community, the people in your sphere that are strangers to you? And would you just pray, God, would you give me opportunities in the boldness to act and be hospitable, to love people like you love me? Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we long to be more like you, and I pray for our church that we will help people find and follow you. I pray, Father, that this wouldn't be about us. I pray it would be about you. I pray that we'll do everything in our power to be hospitable. And Lord, whether it be a meal or a welder, we'll seek to follow you in being people who embrace others. Guide and lead us to that, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.